Oh, look at you with your little, is that a little espresso? It is. I made myself a little black coffee. Oh, good. <laughs> you got a festive Christmas espresso cup? Ah, it's Prague. It's Prague. Sorry. I just ah. saw the, the red and green. <laughs> Thought that you were busting out a late Christmas mug. It's kind of like that. I mean, the colors are beautiful. Speaking of Christmas, by the way, still haven't gotten those Christmas gifts. They're on their way. Oh, don't worry. Gifts? Now there's more than one? Well, you'll see when, when you get it. Oh, I see. It's two bushy masks, so I can put one over the other one. Bushy mask? <laughs> yeah, bushy mask. You don't want to take another round at guessing, do you? Yeah, sure. I could guess. Terry Funk's album. No, Jesus Christ. No, that thing's like... 80 bucks and only pops up on Discogs.com once in a lifetime. I found it on, well, okay, I didn't find it, but I found Great Texan on a compilation CD. Best of all Japan pro wrestling themes or whatever. Uh It was shipping out of China. It was like 20 something bucks. I was thinking about getting it. It sucks. Whenever somebody's selling the vinyl on Discogs.com. So like $800. It's always when I just don't have enough money to buy it you know (laughs) well it's probably some sort of ridiculous amount it isn't even a ridiculous amount not for like a semi-rare album it's like 80 or 90 bucks oh okay yeah it isn't like 150 160 or anything like that but it's still the kind of thing that it's just at that point where i'm like I want this fucking record so bad, but... Yeah, but this is real money, so... Hmm. I kind of want to buy a pizza more right now. I hear you. <laughs> pizza! Welcome to What's NXT, the podcast about the best weekly wrestling television show, NXT. My name is Tristan Marsh. And I'm Alec Fazio. This is What's NXT for the episode from January 17th, 2018, number 430. (sighs) Yeah. I guess that's it. It's just 430. It's hard to say goodbye sometimes. It certainly is. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. How you doing, Alec? I'm doing pretty good. Got drunk yesterday, but other than that, ooh, don't don't put that in or put that in. Whatever. This podcast is going to come up in some court documents eventually as like this podcast is going to be this and the other one. The two of them are the reason I'm every time I take on a new goofy extracurricular project, I'm basically just dooming myself to unemployment further and further. It's either court documents or like intervention. Yeah, right. <laughs> sure. They start playing you a third podcast that you don't even know you host right now because every single time you black out. Oh, God. 
My name is Barney, and I'm an alcoholic. Mr. Gumble, this is a Girl Scout meeting. Is it? Or is it that you girls can't admit you have a problem? Yeah, I wouldn't be too surprised. Before we get into the main episode, you want to talk about some other stuff? Let's. You want to get some bullshit out of the way? Sure. You watch Raw this week? No. So you didn't see Braun Strowman flip a semi-tractor? I thought he just got fired. Oh, he got fired, and then he went on a rampage and was throwing pe people through tables and shit. Oh, nice. He wrecked the cafeteria, and then there was just a <laughs> random waiter. I don't know why there's a waiter at this cafeteria, but there's a guy holding a plate of chocolate cake, and he comes up, and you think he's going to put the guy's face in the chocolate cake, but instead he grabs a gigantic slice and eats it in front of him and then walks away. Kurt Angle sure was really concerned because he was like, oh, he's heading towards the production trailers. Those cost $12 million. People kept being <laughs> really interested in how expensive the production trailers cost. Is this still WWE or are we watching like a Ring of Honor promo? <laughs> and then he went into one of the production trailers. Uh-huh. He was thinking about trashing it, but for some reason didn't. Sure. But all of the production nerds like ran out of the trailer when he showed up. And then after he leaves, they get on camera. One of them being like, it's okay, guys. It's safe. You can come back in. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. And then it cut to outside. He disengages the tractor from the trailer. And then like the ambulance, he flips that. And then he goes out on the stage. He's about to kill Michael Cole. Kurt Angle shows up and is like, hey, Braun, I talked with Stephanie. You got your job back. You're going to be in the three-way after all. Just just don't hurt Michael Cole. And so he puts Michael Cole down. He does the Braun yell. He's about to leave the stage. And then he looks down and Michael Cole is like gasping for air and crawling backstage as well. And he goes, yeah, what the hell? He picks up Michael Cole and throws him into the audience. Okay. Okay, so they still ended up hurting Michael Cole. That's good. Yeah, and then he disappeared for the rest of the episode. Tom Phillips showed up. Huh. That's a pretty... That's pretty wild and wacky. That is some weird, wild stuff. <laughs> I am not expecting something that I could imagine in my head with Yakety Sax playing over it when I think about WWE, but I guess I should start doing that. If Braun Strowman is involved, you definitely should. He also brought back the phrase, get these hands. What do you mean, get these hands? Oh, like he's going to hit you with hands. It's like cool young person slang, right? Yeah, I think I've never sounded older than in that moment. What do you mean, get these hands? This is great because we're going to spend half an hour talking just about Braun Strowman. Yeah, on our NXT podcast. Get it together, Tristan. You're keeping time. <laughs> Did you watch SmackDown no, I did this not. week? But I heard that, um, no, never mind. I didn't hear anything about it. Yeah, I'm sure something happened, but I don't know what it is. AJ Styles called Kevin Owens fat. Tried watching some of that mixed match thing, but I couldn't figure out how to do it without signing into Facebook, and I don't want to do that. That's good. You watch uh, 205 Live? No, but I read a bunch of tweets from Chuck Taylor. Oh, yeah? That's like 205 Live. Yeah, basically, it's it's just like it. It's got a great sense of humor. Last but not least, you watch any Sailor Moon? Of course I did. 
This one was the, what the hell was it? We just watched it. The beginning of the week. They all blur into each other. Oh yeah, this was a Japan only one. It's a Sailor Venus special. She gets, uh, what do you call it? She flips a semi-tractor trail. Yeah, because she reconnects with a, an Interpol officer she used to hang out with and solve crimes with in Europe. I see. It's a very weird episode. Highly recommend. But um, don't, it's, it's not really that great. But it was okay. <laughs> We're going to get you! Got some NXT news. Yeah, I'm excited about this. Last week, we talked briefly about how Candice LeRae is going to be showing up soon. Yeah. We now have confirmed, there have been rumors, but confirmed, War Machine and Ricochet have been signed. Yes. How do you feel about that? Not so sure about what they're going to do with Ricochet, but I'm happy he's there. Really? Because I'm not so sure about what they're going to do with War Machine. Really? Because I know exactly what they're going to do with War Machine. Heavy Machinery feud. And then they're going to team up and make a stable called War Machinery. That's excellent. <laughs> Isn't that good? You already know that What's-His-Face from War Machine already does, like, fucking cartwheels and shit. He'll just do the worm. They'll just, they'll worm at each other and then fucking elbow drop a guy in the middle of the ring. Two weeks ago, we talked about how well-constructed the NXT tag division is. Yeah. And with the addition of War Machine, it has just become hosses. It's just big dudes. I mean, maybe not so true, because Sabatelli and Moss, we found out, they can't really compete on that hoss level. So, there's, there's one fewer hoss team. How fun would it be if they did a promo, again, from the cafeteria, they're sharing the fork... Oh, yeah. But they're just eating carbs, and they're like, we gotta bulk up, dude. Oh, I We gotta get that. big. We're not big enough. I would love that. Cultivate mass. <laughs> you gotta cultivate, gotta cultivate mass. Gotta cultivate mass. Dude, we've been through this, okay? I'm cultivating mass. Stop saying that. You are not cultivating mass. <laughs> gotta get huge, bro. The NXT tag division is just gonna become giant dudes, and the men's division is just... Yeah, it's just going to be tiny, flippy guys. flippy guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's just going to be fucking Roderick Strong's all over the goddamn place. I love War Machine and Ricochet, so I can't see them not being successful. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't seem like the right people to bring in for the divisions. They're just the right people because they're good. WWE is the only game in town when it comes to, like, large market distribution wrestling stuff now so like they already have all these guys and now you're bringing in more guys and it's like what are you gonna do with these guys like what, what are you gonna do that's a problem it kind of feels like they're making the mistake that the early 2000s yankees made <laughs> we're successful and we're making a bunch of money now Let's just buy up all the best wrestlers in the world. Yeah. And some, like, pitching coach is like, yeah, but they've never worked together and there isn't really a slot to put them in. No, no, no. And then you're just going to have, like, a bunch of guys in the back not doing anything. A-Rod and Jeter will get along. Don't worry about it. And then they hate each other. Uh, well, they can't all be Mike Piazza's, the real New York sainted basketball player. Basketball Basketball player. player. Yeah. Woo. Really kill me. That stocky frame and those bleached blonde tips really go well in basketball. You're absolutely right. Oh, man. Shit. I would pay 
$300 to see him try to dunk. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If I were a wrestler, my gimmick would be that I just fucking misspeak all the goddamn time. <laughs> just say the wrong <laughs> ass thing. Like, I know exactly what I'm trying to say. It's not that. They call me Fat Tongue. Fat Tony? I thought that you were saying last week that you weren't all gangsters. I said Fat Tongue! You yeah, son sure. of a bitch. You want to get onto the episode? Yeah, let's get in the episode. This week on NXT, we're at the Atlanta, Georgia location, center stage. One of the nice things that I totally really appreciated about this episode is that we do have a fan, Tristan. We have a high-profile fan. I don't know if you know this, but Percy has been listening to our program. I can tell because all of a sudden he just started talking about every goddamn match. <laughs> he was so active. Percy from two weeks ago. Whenever they recorded this. Yeah, sure, sure. We always say that about Percy. It could have been any episode he listened to. <laughs> Two weeks ago might have been the one where I didn't even know if he was on the show. <laughs> he picks a guy. He gets really, really enthusiastic about the side. But he also talks good about the, the other guy. He's a real good face commentator. He's bringing that Street Profits enthusiasm to a lot of other people where... The reason he's picking them isn't arbitrary. It isn't like, oh, I like these guys and I don't like those guys. He's like, no, this guy is fun. That guy is... I mean, we had a show full of fun guys, so maybe that helped. Even Lacey Evans for a second was fun. Before she got all weirdly xenophobic. Uh, yeah. The first match, which Percy is super excited about, is Heavy Machinery or Sabatelli and Moss, and we even get a little, like, flashback, woo, back into, like, the early two weeks ago when Dozovich was trying to pick up their car. A Maserati, yeah. Yeah, the Maserati. <laughs> it's basically a supercut of the weird faces that Dozovich made during that vignette. Yeah, they, they cut out everything. They cut out pork and weights, but they leave in jawjacking. <laughs> They leave in him literally in the corner looking back at Tucker Knight and going, what are the stupidest faces that this guy is pulling? And can I, we put those in? I think that they know what's getting him over. And I think they know how to really just push it as far as possible. They need to get Doze of his show over so that you forget about Tucker Knight's weird long ponytail braid. That is a really gross haircut. You are totally right about that. It's gross and I don't like it. And I'm sorry, buddy. I know you probably took a long time to grow that shit out, but it's gross. I have nothing against men wearing braids, but this is not a good combination. No, it doesn't. I, I think it looks gross. Like, again, you could do whatever you want with your hair. I don't even care. I just won't look at it if I don't like it. It doesn't look like a haircut that barney rubble or fred flintstone would have that's the kind of haircut you need if you're gonna be heavy machinery because you're clearly barney and fred why did you buddy slam me on the street they're definitely barney and fred um so much so i can't wait to see when they go back out to the parking lot and they look at their car and it's just like that thing that you run in <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's just two circular pieces of stone yeah the little wooden frame in between that snaps as soon as they start moving. <laughs> and whenever they're driving anywhere, you get the little twinkle toes, the little... Yeah, sure. Dozovich comes out, and he they looks like, like a fucking lizard. They love him. He's 
doing these weird high knee steps, which just makes him look more like a toddler than he already does. Because he looks like a toddler. He has of the course. proportions of a toddler. He yeah. can't put his arms all the way down because his torso is so wide. And he's bringing his knees all the way up to his chest with every step. It's very deliberate. The thing that makes him look like a lizard is he's snapping his head left and right. And as he's doing it, he's sticking out his tongue. Like, yeah. 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 But what the fuck is up with that? It gets you to like him, but I don't know what the fuck that is. He knows that he's over because of the physique. He's over because he looks like a fucking nutcase that wrestles. He looks like he could destroy the sun. So like he, he, he can do whatever he wants and he knows that as long as it's extreme, it'll go over. It's also nice because he looks like a nutcase, but he isn't like a Bray Wyatt dark evil nutcase or a Dean Ambrose, I drink too much and get into bar fights crazy. I don't know if Dean Ambrose even does that. I think Dean Ambrose is like too friendly to kids right now to drink. Could you imagine current Dean Ambrose drinking? No way. They clearly like to insinuate it. Sure. Whereas Dozovich is just a fucking completely spherical weirdo. Yeah, he doesn't have time to drink. If you drink, you can't eat a steak. If you drink, you're not lifting weights. You're lifting a bottle. One thing that really gets over is that fucking steaks and weights chant, which everybody is shouting. This is awesome. I love that. They love steaks and weights. Also, the commentary team points out that they've made a resolution, heavy machinery, to reduce the number of carbs they eat this year and eat more meat. They're vegan's worst nightmare. I really like that the core of their bit is we are proud meatheads. It makes them really lovable, though. That's the thing. There's no pretension to them. Sabatelli and Moss are meatheads, but they're too vain. They care too much about how they look and their wealth and their opulence. We just care about steaks and weights. It's like simplicity is a good thing in a character. You never looked at somebody like Terry Funk and went, I wonder what his deal is. Or Ric Flair. I wonder what his deal is. You're like... You know what their deals are. Crazy Texan guy, entitled rich dude. Boom. Got it. Got it. Here's where our other buddies come out. Savatelli and Moss, who have been just fucking blitzing it as far as... They're like going sky high. I love these guys. They come out. Massive booze, but there's this one lady, you heard this, right? Screaming at the top of her lungs. She fucking loves these guys. Well, fellas, heavy machinery with a big chest ahead of them tonight. A lot of hate for Sabatelli Moss. Tons. But again, their fans are doing the right thing. They aren't cheering because that would disrupt the mood of the match. You right. want to hear a lot of boos. They just all stand up and do the make it rain money hands. That's exactly it. You see you see little pockets of it in the audience, much like with the fist in the air for Almas. Yeah. If you're a fan of a heel, be quiet, but be defiant. That's exactly it. That's the right way to be. The match itself is really fun. I really liked the character of this match. Yeah, it was like, a great match. It was very classic heel work. It feels like you're watching like an old wrestling show. 
The heels, Sabatelli and Moss, they get nothing in. They do almost They get annihilated. Nothing. They're just getting the shit kicked out of them from moment one. And they're just staying... Their whole thing is hanging in there. This is the first time that they have been outpowered and they don't know what the fuck to do about it. This is like a classic. The babyface always just beats the shit out of the heel for like the first two-thirds of the match. Then there's like a little bit of comeback and then they're done. And then his valet throws sand in their eyes. And that's almost exactly how this played out because Heavy Machinery, by contrast, gets everything in. Those of which does the worm. He's the funkiest worm in the world. Those of which does the worm. Thank God. Oh, that's funky. That's funky. Knight does his... Stupid fucking choo-choo thing that I hate. I hate that choo-choo choo-choo thing. Choo-choo is fine. I like that they did the bushwhacker stomp. That yes, was fun. Yes, of course. That's great. We should really quickly shout out Tucker Knight's guillotine front lock giant swing. Oh, yeah. He does oh, it yeah. on both of them. He can even get Moss up in the air a little bit. A it's little very bit. Difficult. Moss clearly had to help him. Moss is probably 300 pounds, so... I really I liked after that first guillotine giant swing, he let Sabatelli go, Sabatelli tags in Moss, and before he can get Moss into the guillotine giant swing, Nigel's like... That's a mistake. He allowed him to make the tag. I don't think it was a mistake at all, Nigel. He's clearly dominating this match. You don't think letting in the stronger man, the fresher man is a mistake, Percy. That's why you're sat where you're sat. You want to keep beating up the weaker dude, Percy. <laughs> I don't care if you like these guys. It was a bad move. Yeah, I think he says, that's why you're sitting here. Take this away from you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're there out there. <laughs> it was pretty good. I'm glad to see that they're fighting again. It's a lot more fun that... Percy is more actively engaged in their rivalry now. When that we first weird. started this, it was a little weird that Nigel would just make fun of him for 20 minutes an episode. Yeah. And he only had something to say about Street Profits, so he never really fall back unless they were there. So anyway, Heavy Machinery does well. They do a great job. They're, they're getting everything in and everybody loves them. However, the classic heel trickery comes into play. When Moss gets knocked out of the ring and he just kind of like hides for a second and then Tucker Knight goes to clothesline Sabatelli off the apron so he can't interfere, Moss just springs up like a lizard or something. The largest snakes that you find in the Metroplex area. <laughs> what the <f> <laughs> <laughs> Get this thing off me, man. Get this thing off me, man. God dang. He likes you. Yeah, I can tell, man. <laughs> All right, let's try to get back under control. <laughs> and grabs Knight's legs, and he just fucking rolls him up in the corner. And while the ref is counting, Moss puts his feet up on the ropes for leverage, which is cheating, guys. Percy and Morrow are both like, I can't believe they won with cheating. Nigel's like, it's not cheating. They won, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, the ref didn't notice. <laughs> Morrow goes, they should bring replays to the wwe and nigel's like ah that's gonna ruin it yeah i love that i love that you're right about that that was a really good point that made that solidified him as heel commentator for life this match clearly should have gone on another 10 minutes and would have been really fun yeah that would have been good sabatelli and moss get extra heat by in the middle of an enjoyable match cutting it short i love it 
I think it's great. I think it sets up a whole program. I really think that this is fun. We're going to get at least two more matches with these guys. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be really great. The next time that Heavy Machinery and Sabatelli and Moss go up against each other, you know that Moss is doing the worm. He's either doing the worm or he's going to get one of them in the corner and then go, choo-choo. <laughs> boom, boom, shabadoo, baby. Yeah. And we've said this before already about Sabatelli and Moss, but they're just proving it more and more. They can really push guys. Whoever's in the ring with them, they're going to make them look great. They're the power couple of NXT. Yeah, they definitely are. Next up, we have an Undisputed Era promo. So I know that you were super excited, Alec. I Fucking was. loved it. They're the only people that don't do a Loading Docs promo because it's always just some room. So they're in some room. Yeah. And Adam Cole is responding to the events of last week. His match with Aleister Black at TakeOver Philly has been upgraded to an Extreme Rules match because he's been fucking around. And he is fucking delighted. Yeah, he doesn't care. And he's like such a dum-dum about this. Yeah. At TakeOver Philadelphia, I go one-on-one. No, no, I, I fight Aleister Black in an Extreme Rules match. I love that. I love that. I wonder what he could be implying. <laughs> because it's then he says, matter. what, am I supposed to be afraid? Am I supposed to be scared of an Extreme Rules match? Which is, like, awesome because he's just saying the same thing twice. It's my favorite. The reason that he had to catch himself is because he realized, wait a minute, no, I'm not going one-on-one. Fish and O'Reilly are going to be with me. That's, that's, that's very heavily implied. I'm going to fight him, but... I don't need to worry about this shit. This is going to be easy. Welcome to my extreme rules. This guy's extreme. This guy's rules. <laughs> Obviously, Bobby Fish's rules. We make the rules. You follow the rules. Kyle O'Reilly is holding a loaded gun. He's like, weapons are allowed in this match, right? Yeah. And in Philadelphia, I will mangle and embarrass Aleister Black. I love that. I like that he threw in embarrass because yeah. that is clearly how you get to Aleister Black. His whole thing is pride. I love it. I love the idea that he's like Mr. Zen, like whatever. And then all you have to do is just be like, man, your socks look fucking dumb. And then he's just completely, he turns into a fucking monster and he's just so upset. <laughs> he's all peaceful and Zen. And who do you put up against somebody who's peaceful and Zen? It's, Adam Cole, a middle school bully who's going to walk in and be like, you look like a nerd. Fuck you. Yeah, he's the one guy that can actually get to him. <laughs> I'm going to make Aleister Black cry. <laughs> I heard his grandma died recently. I'm going to bring that up a bunch. Oh, boy, of course. <laughs> Kyle O'Reilly talks for the first time in a while. Yeah, but he says like his classic where he's like, we're the era. <laughs> he, talk, he keeps talking about the, the year of the era Which is like so weird But then he does kind of get it right eventually This is our era And you all are just living it Bobby Fish then caps off the promo By saying You all are fighting for the right to step up And get knocked down by us And then does crazy eyes to the yeah. ad break. Oh, man, his <laughs> eyes, his crazy eyes are really fun. This is responded to with a Aleister Black package. He doesn't do promos, and it's too bad because 
all of his packages have him doing voiceovers that are really cool. If he were saying it, it would be something else, right? Like, it would look better, I think. Obviously, the WWE AV Club always does a good job. Hmm. The production staff is awesome. I just kind of wish that Aleister Black was delivering this promo himself because the voiceover is awesome. And now I will rip you through that veil. I embody extreme. That's right. He says, on the subject of weapons... Not require extensions of myself as I was born a weapon. Wow. This guy sounds like he's got a very active Twitter account. This guy sounds like he has a very active goth Tumblr page. This guy sounds almost like he's also a middle school guy. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I know karate. Yeah, I could kill a guy. But, uh, you know, I won't. You know, when I'm 18, I'm going to have to license my fists as weapons. He sounds like that fucking kid from the Venture Brothers that's always tagging around with them. He's like a fucking asshole. What? If somebody pulls that ridiculous move on me, I'll land my inside axe kick on their face. I call it the Widowmaker. If, if I, like, kick a guy married. All right. Oh, I thought that you were going to say he sounds like Mac. Well, that's the second Mac. We could bring up another Mac. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Oh, could you imagine somebody photoshopping the the cat eyes <laughs> onto Alistair Black? <laughs> oh, <laughs> when he's walking in, they should there should be somebody who makes a YouTube video. When he's walking in, they cut his theme music and they put the <laughs> the piano. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. The audience laughing at him. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to the match. I think it's actually going to be really good. Although I said that I wish that Alistair Black was doing this as a promo, I now almost want to walk that back mm. because I feel like him having a produced package and the Undisputed Era having a we're in a backroom promo so sums up what their gimmicks are, you know? Yeah, I can, yeah, I can see that. He is a lot of flash, not that it's not backed up, but he's a lot of flash, you know, he's got the tattoos and the leather vest and the yeah. music that everybody loves, and the Undisputed Era are just three fucking knuckleheads that set up a webcam and are like, we know how to make napalm and we're gonna blow up the school this week. They're the dumbest guys. <laughs> they they might actually be my favorite thing right now on the show. <laughs> Next match that we get is actually a really exciting one. We get Roddy versus Fabian Eichner. Fabian Eichner has been making a career of just showing up against flippy dudes, catching them out of their shit with his giant massive strength. Because he did that to Gargano, and now he's going to do that to Roderick Strong. And You expect and it out of one of the authors of Pain, but... Fabian Eichner catching somebody. Yeah. He's like a foot and a half shorter than them, so it's still pretty impressive. He's a small thoroughfare. Uh-oh, I'm losing him. Time for the A material. That's awful. That's really I terrible. thought that Roderick Strong was the small thoroughfare. No, Roderick Strong is like the pen. They write the book with the pen. He's too small to be a small thoroughfare. <laughs> 
But he was a small Thur of Pain. You're right, but he was too small. You just, I, I don't know. He was the littlest turtle. <laughs> huh. So Roddy comes out. Everybody's fucking flipping. They love this guy. This is like his whole thing. He comes out. They love him. But I can't, I don't know if I could get behind his promo skills 100%. I still think that they need to take him heel. Because the white meat baby face thing is not working out still for me. I don't know. I mean, it's working. It's just not necessarily working for me. Because people fucking love him. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Maybe it's just going to take us a couple more months. When he first started doing the My Family shit, I was like, I don't care about this guy. I now care about him because they've put him on the TV enough. Because I never saw any of his Ring of Honor stuff. At first, he was just a whiny guy talking about his family. Now I'm like, oh, he's really fucking good. Yeah. But then he gets a mic, and usually I'm like, eh, now he's going to be like... Yeah. I got to uphold my honor. It's taken me a long time to get here, and I'm not going to... You're not Ember Moon. She has transformed, and he needs to transform. He comes out, and everybody loves him, and he... Delivers a great performance in this match. He gets backbreakers on Eichner. He does like a lot of really great running around. He does some rope work. He's just fantastic. You can't take anything away from him. But I'm with Percy on this one. Eichner is a crazy motherfucker. Just the idea (laughs) of this guy gets me going. Because he looks, he looks beefy. He's got this little shitty earring in his ear. He's got like this like, kind of like, pissy face he almost looks like he lives in long island or something you know what i mean (laughs) but he's italian he's like from italy i think or from germany or something he's like from somewhere he's like euro guy i don't know but he's great he's fucking fantastic you see him move he did another thing where he did a springboard from the apron where he just literally jumped up onto the top rope with no assistance just instantly up on the top rope and that's just so impressive to me I believe it's talking about Fabian Eichner that Nigel brings back his catchphrase, unstoppable. Eichner more muscular than strong, but strong. We've just seen this man move time and time again. He's just almost unstoppable. 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 Almost unstoppable. What kind of catchphrase is that? I think it was Nigel who said unstoppable because Percy was the one who said no, that No, it was he's... definitely Nigel because I wrote it yeah. down because Nigel calls everybody unstoppable. I was just going to bring up what Percy says about him is that he has the three principles or whatever. You work harder than everybody, you do whatever, and you do the third thing. Perfect. Great. You so really you paid go. attention. Well, I didn't write it down because you know what? I watched the matches first this time. I'm trying a new thing. I watch the matches and then I write about it. Yeah, I've been doing the same thing. and Except for Nigel saying unstoppable. I was like, eh. This... I miss some stuff. I kind of remember things, and then I just kind of miss a little bit. But whatever. Anyhow, Eichner's looking great. Eichner has a, what you were calling a headshot. Yes, right. I think we should stick with that. Let's get rid of this fucking render shit. I don't like that. It makes him look like a turtle or yeah. a living thumb. Yes. Well, because he kind of does look like that from the front. His shoulders just slope up gradually to his ears. You got to get him in three quarters of view if you want to see that real fucking physique right there. He also comes out to weird mid-90s alt rock.
That's his theme. I don't know. He had that for a couple of months now. It's weird. When he fought Gargano, he had that, and I was like, huh? It's like, Stone Temple Pilots or something. Yeah. I think it's because they're putting him against faces all the time. They got to give him a couple of little like nods to be like, here, here's some material to work with so you could be the, the, the heel in this match because you're going up against everyone's favorite little baby, Roderick Strong. Everybody loves this guy. That's part of it, I guess. He did the same thing with Johnny Wrestling. He kicks him a lot in the corner. He kicks Roddy a lot in the corner. He kind of like mugs a little bit. He's trying to be the, the heel, but he is obviously like still face material just because of the way that he's built and also the way that he runs around and his like fucking athleticism. And also he doesn't do anything, you know, later on we're going to talk about Aaliyah versus Lacey Evans. Right. And Lacey do Evans does heel shit. Yeah. He's just an asshole during his match. He just seems like he's just the ruder of the two. Yeah. It reminded me of what happened when Ono and Gargano fought. One of them had to be the bad guy, and it was Ono, but he was still the good guy. So, like, you know. Kicks you in the back of the head, and then is like, I'm sorry, could you please just give up? I'm going to keep kicking you in the back of the head. I just don't want to. Eichner kind of takes the other way to do that, which is, I'm going to get a little cocky with it, which is what he does. I mean, he does a backbreaker on Roddy, which is fun. Yeah, And I could tell people were like, ooh. You and I are both big fans of momentarily stealing somebody's gimmick to get heel heat. I love it. It's always great. This is a very classic, put a guy over, but have him lose, Matt. Yeah, because Eichner looked good. Fabian Eichner does everything right until the very end when Roderick Strong delivers a really crushing backbreaker into the stronghold and... It's a believable loss. You don't feel like it came out of nowhere. You just feel like, oh, wow, Fabian Eichner is amazing. He just maybe needs a month or two. And he got cheers, too. He he came out. There was a little bit of light booing. There was some cheering. It was a lukewarm Well, because he does look like a thumb. You can't really instantly get behind a guy that looks like a thumb. Yeah, but when he was in the ring and they were doing Let's Go Roddy, we got a little Fabian. We got a little bit. So he's getting there. I mean, like, that's what you need to get by and like you said he's like flipping around and but also catching guys out of the air he's doing everything he's so fucking talented he's gotta get a lot going for him in the future it's just gotta be like hey when ricochet shows up have him fight this guy the ultimate flippy guy versus the weird superman yeah it's basically gonna be flash versus superman (laughs) yeah everybody loved that part of that movie that i didn't see oh i didn't see that shit either Yeah, so there you go. Maybe they'll like it on NXT. When the match is over and Roderick Strong wins, uh, he gets a microphone, and then he delivers a weird promo. Last week, someone came out here looking for a fight. And his words, they just keep echoing in my head because I feel the exact same way. He's like, last week, somebody came out to this ring and said some things, and I agree with him. And you're like, what the fuck does that mean? He calls out Lars Sullivan by saying the exact same thing that Lars Sullivan said about Killian Dane. Yeah, he steals the subtle gay subplot promo. I loved that. (laughs) I stepped into this ring with a force like something I've never felt before. But that brings me joy. Because that is a force that I want to destroy. 
I've also seen somebody and love them because I want to destroy them. Yeah. Very weird. It was like, I've also felt something I've never felt before, and I love it because I want to destroy it. He said, like, the exact line. It was kind of awesome. I don't know, it was the first Roddy promo that really hit me, and I was like, I like this, because he's like, just he's just being an ass about it. This is not going to be a triple threat match eventually. It's going to be the world's first triangle threat match, i.e. Mm. love triangle. Yeah. Ooh. Let's fight for that relationship. Who's it going to be? Lars Sullivan wants to have a weird BDSM relationship with Killian Dane, but Roderick Strong wants to have that same relationship with Lars Sullivan. Wow. It's an interesting time we're living in, Tristan. This was, yeah, I, I thought this was an effective promo. I think the way that Roddy talks is still a little weird. And it was a little confusing at the beginning because he didn't yeah. know what the fuck he was talking about. Yeah, but it's like at least it wasn't like about his struggles and his family. So, good. They need to give him something to say other than, yeah. I grew up in a trailer park. He's his own damn person. After the match, we get a package, the first of two, reintroducing us to TM61. This is the thing I totally forgot about. It's great, though. I liked it a it lot. It is great. It goes over their early career before NXT. We also get some outtakes from some of their early promos where the production staff is walking them through doing a promo. Like, ah, maybe uh, uh, play up your accent a little bit more or use some Australian slang. And one of them's like, most Australian slang is just cursing. Basically, yeah. fucking and mate is apparently yeah. how Australians... Converse. That's the only two Australian words I know. Oh, other than beer, which I know how to say in Australian. Coffee. Beer it is. No, I said coffee. Beer. Coffee. Beer. It's Boston. Beer. Oh. Ha. Ha 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 ha. That's my fun joke. The only kind of weird part of this is they deliver their catchphrase, we are the mighty and the mighty don't kneel over a shot of one of them kneeling down. Come on, guys. You can't both be standing and flexing your arms. One of you's gotta be kneeling down while you say we don't kneel. You know what, maybe he's not kneeling, maybe he's crouching. No, his knee is down, that's a knee. I don't, I, I, I don't know, I didn't remember that. You think that he's doing like the uh, Eastern European squat? Yeah, flexing? maybe, yeah, maybe. Overall, oh. they're making me excited to see TM61. I think a lot of people are excited to see them now. Next up, we have match three, Aaliyah versus Lacey Evans. Aaliyah comes out and Percy starts saying some bullshit about drink tickets. Look, I gotta talk to Aaliyah, y'all. Every time I see her, she's like, hey, uh, I got some drink tickets for you. I'm waiting on the weekend tickets too. I mean, what's up? Can I get my tickets, Aaliyah? Moro says some more bullshit about how she's an Ilurophile, which means that she's a cat lover, I guess. The cat's meow, she is a Ilurophile. And Nigel yeah. cuts in to say, what the fuck are you guys talking about? There's the word of the year for you, Nigel. I don't know what either of you are talking cat about. Cat lover! What about Ilurophile? We've got a wrestling match to commentate on. You're just thank rambling. You, yeah, thank you, Nigel. <laughs> I love you, Nigel. This is 
a pretty good match. I liked it a lot. I especially liked how good Aaliyah is looking in this match. One of the important things to note about Aaliyah is that if you say Aaliyah, and you're thinking NXT, you're probably thinking Super Joe. That's what you're thinking. But one of the things that's important to note is that jobbers make the fucking world go around. And it's important to have people who will lose, but still look good losing, sell well, put people over. I mean, that's important. That's like a big deal. You gotta have good people to do that. Otherwise, you're just gonna have a bunch of motherfuckers standing around doing 50-50s all day. In the past, Aaliyah hasn't been at that level where she could make that look convincing and fun. Oh, you think so? She's always had kind of clunky matches. And this one, I felt like, oh, this is actually pretty good. Maybe she isn't ready to move out of that jobber status anytime soon, but you can see the effort and the ability that she's been able to cultivate. Yeah, especially early on where she was doing a lot of fun athleticism to get out of holds and like reverse things. It looked really good. There's a minor botch. She flips out of a hold and is clearly supposed to land on her feet and lands on her butt. But I'm not here to nitpick. I don't think that that makes it a bad match. That also even could have been the way that they broke it. So it might not even be entirely on her. So I don't know. But yeah, no, I thought it was I thought it was good. The only thing I was worried about was her freaking long ass extension nails. She's like got... that scared the shit out of me. Like I thought she was just gonna like smash one of them or it's not good because I feel like you're gonna end up scratching somebody or it's gonna hurt you. Like it's gonna rip off and your nail's gonna come up. I don't think that those things are super glued on. And they're clearly fake, so it's not gonna I mean, if she legitimately had two inch long nails. No. That's not even an option I'm thinking about. That's not even something that could realistically be. It's too bad that jobbers get known as jobbers. I think that that's one of the reasons why people sometimes use enhancement talent. Like, I used enhancement talent to describe Dakota Kai last week. Right. Because I don't think that she should be relegated to she always loses. Because she lost last week and looked amazing for it well you have to be able to look good when you lose to really be good at it honestly i really don't think there's that much shame in it if you're gonna put people over the right way when people are gonna openly discuss like oh well it's all pre-planned and blah 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 then it's like then the implication is that they're losing all the time because there's something wrong with them yeah. and that the booker is putting them in there to lose because they don't deserve to win they aren't they aren't ready to be big time yet right versus if it's more kayfabe or whatever if it's more like fake and you're supposed to be believing that this is an actual contest they're not winning because they're just not strong enough you know what i mean but it's like there's nothing wrong with that that doesn't mean that you're there's not it's not embarrassing to, to lose all the time in a contest where you know because then you could conceivably go train like a month and then be better next time versus like oh well they're jobbers that's that for forever it, and that only comes about when you start really talking about the fact that everything's pre-booked i mean like if you're if that's not in your mind then yeah anybody has a chance to win now on to lacey evans who is now a heel yes holy shit this worked on me so much i was surprised as fuck the 
pre-match. Were you surprised? Hold yeah, on. I was. I was surprised. That was really surprising. Especially considering she's clearly a heel, but they're still talking about her as like having a four-year-old and being a loving mother, which is like... They talk about her family, all her siblings with the same names or whatever shit that is. Weird mixed signals. She comes out, she's like super clean looking, like clean lines, black color on the outfit. Very, you know, strong muscle definition, she's, Marines she's background going, or whatever. And she's going for the like World War II pinup thing. The aesthetic is very babyface. The backstory that she was in the military, that's very babyface. She was in the military as a drill instructor on Paris Island. Like, yeah, th holy there's shit. a lot of like fucking. There's a lot of babyface shit going on. They're talking about her family. She comes out to cheers. But here's she the thing: like, I noticed it in coming out because they're talking about her, and I just thought that this was weird mixed signals, or maybe she wasn't feeling it today. They're talking about her this way. If you watch her entrance versus previous entrances that she has. Just a slight less of a smile, and she's not swishy so much as jerky. There's just this very slight change. She does all the same stuff, but the attitude of it has changed. It's very, like, fucking abrupt. I, I see what you're saying. And it's a little less, I'm having fun out here, and more, let's get on Time with it. Time to do work, yeah. And do work. She does, because during the match, she's got a clear advantage strength-wise, and, you know, she's very good versus Leah, and it's like, oh, it looks like she's going to win. But the way that she wins and the, the turning point in the match, it's such an abrupt fucking heel move. She's on the apron, she grabs Aaliyah's head, and she fucking scrapes her whole face across the top rope. Oh, and oh, just Lacey right. Evans oh, taking man. liberties with that top rope, and burning the, 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 the cheek of Aaliyah, rubbing the face along the top rope and the slingshot elbow drop by Evans. Instant booze. The entire fucking, everybody that was cheering her like five seconds ago, boo, because this is the heliest shit that we're going to see all night. Percy and Moro are like, oh, that's bad. Like, that'll burn your face. And Nigel is like, yeah, you got to do whatever you can. I love this lady now. <laughs> Nigel instantly flips on her. I she's the best although he he was he was talking about her before how she's like great and she's got a wonderful family and everything now he can switch over to the wrestling because now the wrestling is good in Nigel's opinion <laughs> yeah yeah that turning point turned everybody on her instantly and then even when Aaliyah started looking like she was gonna come back we get the number one heel tactic of all according to Al Snow one of my wrestling heroes the punch she fakes like she's floundering in the corner and Aaliyah goes for a splash and she just clocks her in the jaw and she goes out and she hits her so hard. Lacey Evans doesn't go for the pin right away. She just looks at her fist and is like, wow, that worked really well. Look at that shit. This is the best way to use a punch in wrestling. None of this shit where you get him in the corner and you stand up on the ropes and you hit him 10 times. Fuck that. No, you punch him once and they're out. Punch in the face. Not everybody's been punched in the face, but people have had doors hit them in the face. They've banged their face. They have been taught mentally that they don't want to be hit in the face. And what do we all run around the ring to the point that in WWE, 
they were dumb enough to allow the talent to dictate the rules and they have now made it legal to punch each other in the face. That is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. This was made illegal because it's fake. This was made illegal so that heels could do it behind a ref's back to make the audience want to see the baby face finally unload and give it back to the heel. It's done sparingly in limited moments so that you can maximize it and use it. This is done as a weapon to allow the heel to shut down a babyface or to cut him off. This is used as a weapon for the babyface to get justice. It is not used as just simply run across and do a move. Wow, she is the worst. She's like a fucking villain. One punch and they're point. out unless they're Togi Makabe. In which case... Right, well, we're not talking Japan. I mean, Japan, you could probably hit someone with a fucking hardware store hammer until their bones break. And they're, you know, it's not it's not done yet. This was insane. She gets the pin. Boo, everybody is pissed. It's a real fucking heel turn. Now, I don't know. I haven't watched her before, Mae Young Classic. I have no clue if she was a heel before or a face She before. was not. I... She was, like, supposed to be the all-American good girl. It's so surprising and so interesting. It shocked me awake for this. I, this was so fucking interesting. I'm really interested to see where they go with this. What do you do if your wrestling has gotten you over as a heel with the crowd? You cut a promo. And it's a fucking nasty promo. It's she says, borderline xenophobic. I kind of wasn't cool with some of it. I didn't get that, but I, I, I could believe it. She says that the entire women's division is populated by societal trash. And she blames William Regal. For letting for the them in? Come on. This is all dog whistle xenophobia. She's talking about an Nikki Arabic Cross. woman, a black oh. woman, a Japanese woman, and a coded as maybe lower class Scottish woman. She okay, is totally yeah, like... I guess so. I guess that's what it William is. William Regal, but build the wall. Build the wall now, William Regal. Societal trash was a little... Ooh, I don't know. Maybe you solidify her as a heel first, and then maybe you don't have her just call out the foreigners and people of color on the yeah. roster. You're right. She should call out Liv Morgan, who... Oh, wait. She's not there anymore. If she had called out Ember Moon and Billy Kay, and Peyton Royce. I know that they're still foreigners, but they're kind of coded as more upper-class foreigners. Yeah, but you can't have heels calling out heels. It just, it was, uh, The coupling of that, that with it, it, saying societal like trash that, and saying that William Regal let them in. That's true. Ooh, this is getting really close to something that I'm not gonna like, and I kind of... Am close to liking it right now, so you've oh, got to rein it in a yeah. lot because it could be great. It would be great to have an all-American heel. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And yes, together, we will make America great again. 
It isn't like, oh, I'm I'm the jerk because I'm the best. I'm a jerk because everyone else has no class. I think so. I mean, look, the other is the other. If somebody hits, you hit back. And I think that's true in life. That's true in running countries. It's true in running businesses. But I just found this to be a very elegant evening. I'm going to class up the joint. Uh, she, this is not what our country needs. That's, that's her whole promo. She's like, I'm going to class up the joint. Look at all these around. Um, Nikki Cross, she's a psychopath. Uh, Ember Moon, who knows what the fuck she is. That was the thing that I was like, oh shit. Maybe they finally realized that they're sending mixed signals with Ember Moon. And this is her way out, is to have someone heal on her about how no one knows who the fuck she is. And then she's a hero. Another way out is what happens next. Right when she's about to call Kyrie Sane pathetic because she runs around like a child. Right as she's about to call Kyrie Sane a weird slur from World War II, Shayna uh, Baszler interrupts and okay. Lacey Evans backs off immediately. She's like, oh, Yeah, the never way mind. that Shayna Baszler interrupts is insane too because she just walks out. No music. She doesn't have a mic. She just walks out. T-shirt, jeans, and sunglasses. And she just shoots her a look. Lacey Evans is like, never mind. Fuck off. I, 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 don't, I don't want any of this. Yeah. With Lacey having backed off, Shayna turns her attentions to Aaliyah, puts Aaliyah in the chokehold, and then Amber Moon comes out for the save. And it's awesome. She's in her full ring gear. She runs into the ring, and of course... Shayna Baszler does exactly what she did last week. She runs away with the shrug and laugh. She's shrugging and laughing the whole way like, eh, whatever. I could take you on if I wanted to, but I don't want to. And then we get this great back and forth promo between the two of them. Shayna Baszler is now on the entrance ramp and Ember Moon is in the middle of the ring. And Baszler doesn't have a mic either. So it's kind of like a weird one-sided promo where you can kind of hear what the other one says and you can assume that the people in the audience know what's going on. Ember Moon's been doing this long enough that she repeats a lot. Ember Moon is yelling, get back in this ring, fight me. And Shayna says, I don't have my gear. I'll fight you if it's my, I'll fight you if your title's on the line, but I don't have my gear. I can't fight you now. Everybody is chanting for Ember. Yeah. They're super into Ember and these two women play the crowd like a fucking fiddle. Ember Moon goes, you name the time, you name the place, and I'll bring the title, because I'm out to beat your ass. And then we get a beat that ass chant. You getting that ass, Larry. You know what I mean? You getting that ass, Larry. That's what the fuck you do. Get in that ass, Larry. Don't worry. All right. Hope you don't get me killed. My man. Shayna, of course, so responds excited. with, okay, great. Philly. <laughs> this is what I've wanted this entire time. This is great. Yes. We do a cut back to backstage where William Regal is thinking about last week when he said that these kinds of tactics won't get her a belt. And it's like, oh, I was so wrong. Attacking people from behind. That is not going to get you an NXT Women's Championship match. <laughs> oh, poor Regal. He's hesitant to make the match. But he will make it. I'm so excited for this. This is exactly what the Ember Moon needs. It's perfect. It's, it's like you couldn't even write it better. They did write it better. I want to see an Ember win triumphant superhero of the whole fucking show. I know we've been talking about Nikki Cross as Batman, but she's like Superman. Whenever there's a villain coming, she's just going to be there. 
They are love- kind of the Batman and Superman because Nikki Cross is the dark defender and yeah. Ember Moon is the one that like stands arms akimbo for truth in justice in the American way. Yeah, absolutely. You know? She has her code of honor. She has her integrity and her skill and her honor. <laughs> I love that. Super friends, their mission to fight injustice, to right that which is wrong, and to serve all mankind. Regal's reluctant to make this match, but he's going to have to. He's talking to uh, our announcer in the back. What the hell is her name already? I forgot it already. Is it Christy St. Cloud? Uh, maybe. Shit. I feel bad. I'm just going to say Christy St. Cloud, and you can wrong buzzer me if I'm wrong. He's talking to Christy. During their interview, they get interrupted by none other than Zelina Vega, the businesswoman. She comes out. Her new, her new catchphrase should be she interrupts people's promos and goes, I've got business with you. Oh, that's so good. She should say that. <laughs> And then she comes out, she, she even says to Christy, she's like, you can stay. I want you to hear this. <laughs> I want you to get this. I'm about to say some crazy ass shit, man. Yeah. She gets her mind games on and she's back to like fucking with Johnny Gargano. She says, oh, he's a lie. Johnny wrestling is a lie. He's a fraud. He was a fraud in the tag team. He got carried. All that shit that he, she said before. Dream was right. He should have had that spot. She's saying Johnny Gargano should challenge Velveteen Dream because Regal follows that up with, I would advise Johnny Gargano against doing that. And she goes, of course you would. Right, because Johnny Wrestling is a lie. She's so good with this and you could see where she's coming because she's like, oh, they're going to do the whole thing where they fight like four days before TakeOver. Somebody gets injured. It's actually kind of similar to Bobby Roode and, and Drew McIntyre which just happened, but that's okay. I mean, like, I'll I'll forgive it because Zelina Vega is so good at it. Plus, there's the Ciampa angle that's gonna happen. She keeps talking shit about Johnny Wrestling, and every single time, William Regal shakes his head and rolls his eyes and kind of sighs like, no, I fuck you. You're acting like an insane person. I, You're gonna say this shit about Johnny Gargano. Keep that in mind, guys. Vega finishes it with saying yet again, Johnny Wrestling is a lie, he's a sham, and he's a loser. Yes. There's no response from Regal. And then she goes, what, nothing? Like, God, we're trying to cut a promo here. You got to interact with me. Play with me. Come on, play with me. I'm bouncing shit off of you, and you're just standing there silent. What the fuck is this? William Regal, yes and... You got a yes and. Have you ever heard of this concept? Have you ever taken improv classes, William Regal? We're going to go to Second City and we're going to get you into this. Let's go. William Regal at the UCB 101 class would be a really fun vignette. They're probably going to record it for that documentary they're making. Right, that's true. He'll just be like, I don't understand. There is no actual hamburger. There's nothing in my hand. (laughs) No, no, you're supposed to pretend you have the hamburger. I can't do that. It's dishonest. (laughs) You know, once in 1978, me and three of my friends went to a hamburger store. It was in northern England. It was a little place called Pop's Hamburgers. Now, I ordered 
a single hamburger, and an order of fries, or as we call them, chips. Which was the style at the time? No! So now the announced guys are reacting to this the same way they normally would, by standing somewhere completely different from the announced table. Back to the ring. And, yeah, backs to the ring, talking about things that normally they wouldn't talk about, just like a normal episode. The camera almost seems to be more focused on the entrance ramp behind them, for no discernible reason. Yeah, I don't think that there's... I think it's probably just a technical difficulty. And then while they're talking, oh my god, no theme music, Johnny Gargano just strolls out. He doesn't stroll out. He, like, power walks out. Yeah, that's true. He does power walk out. He... Oh, this is... This is what I've been looking for, Tristan. This is, this is the what I've most been fired for. up, intense Johnny Gargano promo there has ever been. Yes, but have you noticed that when he gets fired up and intense... He's kind of, like, completely insane. Yes. He's got an entire building full of people chanting, Johnny, wrestling. They love him. They, it's, like, it's almost like they can't see his face because he looks like a crazy person on the subway. He looks like a lunatic. <laughs> this must have been, like, what the Nuremberg rallies were like. Ah, maybe. An entire crowd chanting his name as he rants and raves in the middle of the ring it's like he's got syphilis or something like i don't even know he looks completely crazed i i half expected him to be foaming at the mouth he's and the things he's saying before we talk about the actual promo i want to point out the gigantic lie at the beginning of this because moro and the rest of the commentary are talking about how you know there are still many doubters Maybe he's out here to talk to them and prove them wrong. Nigel says that those doubters include Zelina Vega and maybe even William Regal. Meanwhile, the entire crowd is yelling Johnny Wrestling. There are no such thing as a Johnny Gargano doubter. There is no doubting going on whatsoever. Everybody loves this guy. Everybody knows he's going to win. It's the... The craziest, I mean, they must be the most delusional people on the planet. But I guess that's what happens when you look at him in the face. Like, you just all of a sudden, you're an instant mark, and you just can't look at the fact that, obviously, Ciampa's going to show up. I mean, what the fuck? But whatever, whatever, it's fine. Like any good, you know, heroic babyface, he says, I've heard everybody talking behind my back. <laughs> They're all out to get me. <laughs> Maybe even Mr. Regal. <laughs> They're all out to get me, Alec. They're coming for me. I know. It's the craziest fucking thing. It's very schizophrenic because it's half of it is about how everybody out there is conspiring against him. And the other half of it is just a standard babyface promo. A yeah. really good but standard babyface promo where he's like, me being here isn't a fluke. And also... The lizard people are out to steal my skin. And also, I've worked hard to get here. And also, did you know that we didn't land on the moon? The Earth is a giant hollow sphere. Hitler's in the middle of it. Also, I love my family. Yeah, no, wait, that's Roderick Strong. I'm sorry. Whoops. People are out to get me. And then at the end, he's even like, but at the end, he points out to the crowd. He's like, do you hear that? Everyone loves me. It's like, what? <laughs> I'm no longer doubting myself. I know what I'm here to do. He calls out the Velveteen Dream. He's like, I don't give a shit if people think I shouldn't do this. I don't even give a shit if it's a fucking trap that Zelina Vega is staging. Yeah. I'm going to take that motherfucker down. 
At the end, he caps it all off with, this is the first time in a long time that I know who I am. I am Johnny Gargano. I'm Johnny freaking wrestling, the next NXT champion. Burn it down! Yes. What the hell? Did Triple H give him permission to say that? You don't give Johnny freaking wrestling permission to do anything. He's the bad boy now. He's taking <laughs> yeah, okay. what he wants. Sure. Triple H is going to show up. He's going to be like, at TakeOver, he's going to be like, no, you're not fighting all of us anymore. Seth Rollins is going to come in and beat you up. <laughs> Drives out on that weird tricycle with Stephanie yeah. on the back. Yeah, it's exactly it. Check out my Terminator cosplay. <laughs> I think that we're both banking pretty heavily on Ciampa coming back, but... He says the next NXT champion, and he has the mustard behind that where it seems like it might happen, whereas every single time Adam Cole says it, you kind of go, okay, you goofy, big-headed, dumb nut. Yeah, he says it, and it's the weakest thing in the universe. He says it with zero conviction, but Johnny Gargano says it like it's the truth. He always whispers it, too. He's always like, I will be your." NXT champion. Johnny Gargano's like, no, fuck this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see what happens. I think they're trying to freak people out. They're trying to freak out like dum-dums like me by being like, look, he's going to go heel now. He's going to go crazy. You want him to go heel so bad. I do because I want people to cry. (laughs) I want to see people crying. I want to see kids crying and clutching their Johnny Gargano action figures. But I don't want that at the same time because when he's a babyface, he's so, when he does that little like fucking scout out in the crowd, I, you know what? I like him. I love it. I think he's a great face. It seems like you probably can't turn him heel right before his own wife shows up on the roster because Candice LeRae, that's not going to be a heel. She used to be part of the world's cutest tag team. You can't take her heel feel like there's just too many balls in the air right now and we have no clue what they're gonna do with johnny gargano and they're about to add like eight more balls it's exciting though i don't know there are a lot of options right now like i just realized what if Tommaso champa doesn't come out and interfere what if johnny gargano loses and then Tommaso champa comes out and is like hey You want to be a tag team again? And we're just heels Uh, and assholes. uh, That could happen. (laughs) Oh my God. That could happen. Gotta bring this up. Sure. No way Jose is back, baby. I am so in. I love this guy. He's still front and center on all their fucking promotional material. Please push this motherfucker. I love He's so great. I think he's wonderful. I think he's. I think his wrestling's really good too, because he's kind of got like a bruiser style, but he still can go. And he's like, I don't know. He's just got a super charisma about him. And he also harkens back to early 2016 when everybody was dancing on NXT. Gotta yeah, bring some a... of that dance flavor back, baby. Some may say that he's still dancing the dance he started all those years ago. 2017. It was like a roller coaster. It had its ups, it has its downs. It was fun. I had a lot of fun. But this year, not gonna be a roller coaster. Cause this is a conga line straight 
to the top. And then he dances out of the promo. Great. I'm excited to see it. I can't wait. I want singles gold for him. I kind of, I almost want to see him on a tag team because their tag division is so interesting and fun. There are too many tags right now. I know, but they're actually good. There are too many tags and they have shit for all of them to do. Don't, don't clutter I things. <laughs> I, I get it. I just, it's, they're handling their tag division so well. I just, I, I don't know. But that brings us to the final match. Authors of Pain versus Street Profits. Hell yes. This was a seven minute match. This was a reality check. Street Profits come out in white and gold. So they look like the White Ranger. They look good. Percy, of course, loves it. But he's not alone. I think everybody likes the new look. Well, except Nigel. NXT guy might be a little bit disappointed because he has a black and gold flag. He came all this way from Florida to Atlanta, Georgia with the black and gold flag. And they did him the disrespect of showing up in white and gold. No, it's all right. They're going to give him a, a white and gold flag soon. They know NXT guy is money. Surprisingly, the crowd seems split down the middle on Authors of Pain and Street Profits. Yeah, it could be that entrance. The match starts, and we go very quickly into the Montez Ford is completely surprised that he isn't instantly defeating these guys. And we get reaction chance to well be considered profits if they, they were to deliver on their promise you gotta think if you're o'reilly and fish and you had a choice between the profits and the authors of pain who do you think they'd choose you have to go with the street profits i know that's what you want to hear me say there you go i was surprised at how loud the chance for authors of pain were considering Street Profits are over like a motherfucker, but I guess they've been over as fun guys beating up NWO Jason instead of actually competing in a match, which Montez Ford didn't realize there was a difference. I like Dawkins actually taking it really seriously and trying to run in every time uh, Ford got pinned. Like, you got the feeling that between the two of them, even though Dawkins is a goofball with a million headbands, he must have had under those headbands a thought in his mind where he was like, this is going to be a really hard match. <laughs> it's like, that's the characterization. Montez Ford was expecting to, like, do a drop kick on one of the Authors of Pain and then be able to moonwalk and do a little shimmy and then, to, you know, like, uh-uh, not happening this time. He gets clotheslined and the camera does a snap zoom into his face and he's, like, looking back and forth and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Somebody get the license plate of that van? Ha ha ha. Old school joke. But you know. Yeah. No, it's definitely it's definitely the right way to handle Street Profits waking up to realize that there are people in the tag division that are actually good at wrestling and strong. A really good way of taking away their undefeated streak. If they had built up to losing the undefeated streak, I don't think it would have gone over as well as these guys have are just realizing that they've had it easy so far and they lose this and now they maybe get a fire lit under their ass, you know? I think that that is the right way to take it. I think that I agree with you. Could we have seriously believed if the Street Profits had won? I both don't think we could have believed it 
in or out of kayfabe. Out of kayfabe, it's a bad booking decision. They shouldn't have the belts yet or even be in contendership for the belts yet. In kayfabe, no, fucking Authors of Pain, they have had multiple three-way tag matches that they've won. These two goofballs are going to go over them? I mean, I love these two goofballs, but get real. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. I think that that is... The reaction. So it just shows how appropriate it was that there was a loss. All three teams um, that were in the War Games match, it was believable for them to be in that match, and it could have been believable for them to win that match. Yeah. Street Profits, I don't see them getting in the cage. No. <laughs> I see them dancing on top of the cage. Yeah, but the second they're in it, they're like, oh, fuck. This isn't good. No, I don't want to do that. Why would I want to do that? That guy has That's a chain. Cool. Like a bike yeah. chain. He's whipping me with it. What the fuck is this? This is not cool. I don't like this. Wrestling's supposed to be cool and fun. What? I thought that professional wrestling was like... A dance competition. This is clearly a move to try and get Street Profits a little bit further away from the comedy angle. And a little more towards a serious angle. Is that a good idea? Do you think the fans will like that? Or do you think that they're relying on them being too... being? Yes, because I can still see them being entertaining and cool without having to have at least as many spots per match where it's about them doing a handshake or something, you know? Yeah. I think that they could just be the flippant, cool wrestler. I think that you can still have them learn how to wrestle well right in terms of like wrestling at a level where you're in competition for the tag belts without having them give up too much of the things that we like about them the second that they actually get a major win over contenders for that belt they're up in the stands and they're gonna cut a promo and that's gonna be like see we're we're not completely different it's just that when we're in the ring we're no longer goofing off. It's going to be more street talk segments and less A, 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 Oh, no, I a. think that you could still have the A, 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 A thing. It's just they aren't going to try to go for that chant in the middle of a match. They're, gonna, they're, I, uh, they're going to take it seriously in the ring, and then the second the match is over, if they win, that's when they get goofy. And I think that, that okay. could still work. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen because I think it's an interesting development. Angelo Dawkins picked up one of the authors of pain and they did a combo move on him. They can do this shit. I mean, they do know how to do it and they are strong and they are fast and they do have skill. It's just they got so over. <laughs> I don't want them to lose that by becoming more serious. But again, I think that this is the way that you do it because... Clearly, whoever was booking this wasn't concerned about, well, what if by losing we take away some of that heat that they've built, right? They were like, no, this is the right time. Let's do it. Let's rip the Band-Aid off. They're no longer undefeated. And now they can win or lose. And it's about is wearing 16 headbands and dancing like a goofball gonna be enough to keep them over with the crowd while they do actual wrestling shit in the ring you know yeah we'll have to see and like they did actual wrestling shit with yeah. sabatelli and moss 
Well, that was the thing. That was their first, like, hurdle to clear. But they cleared it. Even against Sabatelli and Moss, you know, they were taking it a little bit more seriously. But afterwards, fucking Montez Ford still put a cowboy hat on his head and danced around on a speaker. Like I think it's just, you know what it was? It was just that transition back from street from uh Sabatelli and Moss to like fucking NWO Jason that really got me. They did they did one squash match and you were like, oh, maybe they're gonna go back to this. No, the authors of pain are going to fucking force them through the mat face first. I'm sure you are excited because you got to see your favorite move, the super collider. I think this goes on record as being the most ginger super collider I've ever seen. Did you see how slow they walk towards each other? And did you see how gently they tap them up against each other? That was that was almost insulting, right? Like back in the day when you had somebody like the revival, you could really smack them together and those two guys were like we like getting the shit kicked out of us. So fucking do it. I'm not like a fucking barbarian. I don't want to see two people get smashed together so hard their heads crack up against each other. But at the same time, if it's going to look that wimpy, maybe don't do it. Yeah. It doesn't look like it hurts. It doesn't look like it does anything. I mean, the powerbomb part looks great because it's a fucking powerbomb. And I love powerbombs, but like... You can't fuck up a powerbomb. No, you really can't. I mean, even Kevin Nash could fucking do him. And he was... <laughs> That's really where I wanted to go when I wanted to talk about the match. Because there really isn't that much to it other than... I really appreciated that Ford was getting separated. And he looked like he was just like, what the fuck? What do I do when it's just me? It was, there were some really cool parts in just seeing them break down while still being a strong tag team, as in they both still work well together. It, there wasn't any kind of like, oh, there's a rift now. It was more like, oh, shit, this is what it means to be a tag team. Authors of Pain are now number one contenders versus Undisputed Era. Is this their swan song? I feel like they're going to be brought up soon. Honestly, with... War Machine coming in, you gotta assume they go to NXT. You could get rid of some big guys. Yeah, you probably don't need 18 big guy tag teams. And you don't get rid of Heavy Machinery, because they're just starting to really fucking get over. So, yeah, Authors of Pain, I think, are the guys that go up. I think that Undisputed Era probably win this feud, retain the belts... And then Authors of Pain mysteriously vanish. Woo, where did they go? Yeah. And then, you know, at the Royal Rumble, one of them runs out and gets instantly squashed, but then they're on SmackDown or some shit. I don't know if I want to see a Royal Rumble thing. I think I just want to see, like, right after, next show after. All of a sudden... They're on 205 Live and they're really confused. Oh my god! <laughs> <clears throat> Where are the tag matches? Yeah, they show up. Paul Ellering's in between. Where are the tag teams? Uh, no, this is a cruiserweight singles show only. We're on 205 Live. Where are the tag teams? We're writing the next chapter. Okay, it's time for our match. Your match with who? All of you. <laughs> At once. <laughs> that would be fun. Could you imagine Authors of Pain beating up the entire show? First person to knock down Akum gets this hat. It's an Authors of Pain trucker cap. <laughs> I did the AOP challenge on 205 Live. That's the episode for this week. How'd you like it overall? 
I liked it a lot. It was a weird episode, partially because we're not at full sail, partially because there's not a ton of wrestling going on. I mean, there were plenty of matches, but they were all like five minutes. I had a hard time, I will admit, paying attention during this episode. I think that it's weird. This episode and the last episode, almost everything was good, but there were no matches that I was glued to. People would show up and I would go, oh, no way, Jose, I love him. TM61, great. Shayna Baszler. But it was never like, oh my God, I've got to watch every second of this. This is amazing. It was like, oh yeah, this is good. I like this. I like this a lot. Good going, guys. It definitely served to hype me up for fucking TakeOver, though. This will be coming out January 22nd. The next episode after this one will not be TakeOver related. It'll be about the previous week's episode. And then we're going to do an episode just talking about TakeOver. And then I think we're going to take a couple weeks off. Right. Oh, yeah, that's true. We've got to make some time for ourselves. But Yeah, I got to get my nails did. Um, Maybe we do the TakeOver one, not obviously live right after watching it, but maybe we get together, do that one live. Hopefully by that time, your Christmas present will have shown up. Oh, yeah, I hope so. Can't wait for that bushy mask. Bushy mask? <sighs> it's nunchucks. <laughs> yeah, it's nunchucks. I knew it. The joke this whole time is that nobody on the show is Mac from It's Always Sunny. I'm turning you into Mac from It's Always Sunny. Yeah, I'm cultivating mass. We are on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Please rate and review us. Subscribe to us. Give us a million stars give us well five stars that's the most that they can give us but give us really? give us five stars oh that's not even a lot you guys can do that yeah anybody can give us five stars yeah you could do that share us with your friends please we'd really appreciate it we're also on stitcher you can contact us at what's nxt pod at gmail.com we'll say your name we will say your name say my name Just email me. The first person that emails me that Alec and I don't personally know gets to become a meme. This contest is going on a lot longer than I thought because I thought for sure some rando would do it just to get it. But no, I guess nobody I guess nobody wants to. I mean, just make up a name. It's fine. It doesn't have to be you. If you're embarrassed because you listen to the show, you could just say, my name is Butthole Buttholes. And then we would have to say that on online in front of people. You can contact me on Twitter. I'm at enemy of both. Alec, you got anything to plug? Hell yes. I have a Sailor Moon podcast. It's under the Tokyo Tower. You could listen to that on Stitcher on iTunes and also on midnightzero.nyc, which is where you will find our podcast as well, this one here. You can even comment and discuss our episodes on that website. It's pretty cool. You can, and it's always a lot of fun to do that. Well, that's it for this week. Tune in next time to find out what's next. What's NXT? Chicken chicken
Okay, I think that that's where I'm going to cut in the theme. Oh, we're doing the... Oh, shit, okay, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like this. I'm the fucking puppet master now, baby. I know you are. You're getting me to just... You're just playing me off. Shit, Um, you're Master Melina... uh, Your regular Zelina Vega, Master Manipulator. (laughs) I don't give away my secrets of business. My business secrets. Fuck. I've been successful in business, and I don't... I can only assume you have. (laughs) Okay, 